0: Welcome to Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. Thank you for joining us on the First Energy Cleveland Cavaliers Radio Network. Now, here are your hosts, Tim Alcorn and Jim Jones. From the Cavaliers Radio Production Studios at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse in downtown Cleveland, hi again everybody, and welcome to Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. Great to have you with us, and as always, great to be joined by my co-host and Cavalier legend, Jim Jones. Jim, as always, a pleasure to be hooked up with you. And boy, we've got a special show coming up with a little bit of a twist as Rafa Hernandez-Brito, the Hispanic voice of the Cavaliers, will be joining us. But boy, not only does Rafa do the Cavaliers, but the list of events and big sporting events that he has done is unbelievable. We'll have some fun with Rafa, one of the great personalities within the Cavalier organizations.
2: Well, one of the things, Tim, you know, when you talk about what's going to happen today, I thought nothing could top the Jim Clemons uh, interview last week, but this may be close. With The way that Leo has been able to get us the right kind of guests and then some of your poignant questions, this is going to be a fun show.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And we'll talk some Cavalier basketball as well. And Jim, uh, Cavaliers coming down the home stretch now, uh, Detroit on the road on Monday night. And then the Bulls, uh, who the Cavaliers played last night, uh, are right back against the Cavaliers on Wednesday night at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. So uh, as we get into the stretch run, it's going to be a very interesting final four weeks.
2: Yes, it will be because guys are healthy now, Tim. You know, so uh, th- there's going to be more possibilities for matchups and all those great things that Coach Bickerstaff likes to do to win games. But the other thing, uh, the intangible, is always going to be the chemistry. They haven't had a chance to put everybody together, so there may be a little up-and-down activity, but I'm hoping that'll be solved within the next four or five games so that they can have a nice, strong finish to this season.
0: Boy, no doubt about it. It's been good to see a full lineup out on the floor for the Cavaliers. So we've got a lot to talk about on this week's edition of Cavs HQ presented by Sherwin-Williams. When we come back, Rafa Hernandez-Brito, the Hispanic voice of the Cavaliers, will be joining Jim and I. So stay with us. It'll be a fun conversation with Rafa. That comes your way after this on Cavs HQ presented by Sherwin-Williams on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network.
1: Garland, el alibu para en que la clava dos y ahí está. Se viene penetrando, no mejor afuera para Ocoro. Se robó la línea de fondo. Y con autoridad y encima de Tomata y La clava 2. El cruce a la derecha para Sexton que lanza de tres. El riflazo del torito Colin Sexton.
0: Sí. That's about what I know. Welcome back to Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams, Tim Elcorn, along with Jim Jones. And, of course, on the other side of the window, boy, racking up some great music, Marty Allen, along with Kurt McLaughlin and Leo Simone. Boy, you just heard those brilliant Spanish calls from Rafa. Yes, the Spanish voice of the Cavaliers, who has a very lengthy resume that he's about to add to. In so far as uh, his work on the play-by-play microphone, Rafa, great to have you with us on Cavs HQ. How are you, Tim and Jim? It's a
1: pleasure to yeah. be here. I thought you were adding. Uh, I'm adding to my resume by being a guest. Am I in the legend? <laughs> Am I in the legend's chair? Or it does not. Re- that does not. I'm, I'm oh, still not. I, in can't, the I can't put you're that in my cha- resume.
2: Yes, you can. Uh, okay, <laughs> you're, in, you're in the chair. <laughs>
0: Well, I mentioned the resume, and before we get to the work uh, that you will be embarking on soon, that'll be new to the resume, uh, for the listeners who aren't familiar with your work and your background, uh, take a few seconds and just talk about all the major events that you have done, aside from being the Cavs voice, uh, you just recently finished up doing the NCAA Final Four, Uh, your resume is probably pages long, but... Catch our listeners up.
1: Well, you know, I've been lucky really, Tim, to 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 work on the side of the business. When I started, I was just talking about it yesterday with the members of the, of the of the blue jackets. I literally went quit my job, went to broadcasting school thinking I was gonna be working in English. I didn't even realize how new the whole thing about Spanish broadcast was and just so was lucky my first job was as the Spanish play-by-play voice of St. John's men's basketball, who what, they were starting to do their games in Spanish in New York City. So I got lucky. I started in New York when I was when I was living at the time. So that was my first gig as a broadcaster. Then I I went and by by just basically just being at the right place and at the right time and having a little luck. I, I boxing is where my career started. I was part of the of the group that helped. Uh, you know, I was working with doing Oscar de la Hoya's greatest years and when he started as a promoter worked a lot with call H- called a lot of boxing for HBO pay-per-view and for top rank pay pay-per-view you know back in the day boxing was basically just pay-per-view so I was lucky to be part of that environment and and when I was doing that a group of friends one guy that could be you know what they say in English my brother from another mother Jack Hobbs he started the first successful national radio spanish radio broadcast was a lot there were a few of them that had started and had failed and we were able to get the right formula and i became the sports director there and had a little experience doing sales for my previous job as a beer salesman and became the sports director and got the rights to do the to for the nfl nba and mlb in spanish and of course you know i had i got a chance to do the those games so in terms of what i have been able to do I am the only sportscaster to do the finals of MLB, NBA, NFL, and the Final Four in Spanish, obviously. And, and it, it basically, again, luck and hard work. You guys know, you and Tim know that a lot of, a lot of what we do, the separation becomes the preparation. And, and that is what sets everybody apart. We all have the ability to watch a game and call it with the mic on. And you know some people like it, some people don't. But the way we prepare and what we, the time we dedicate to a job, is what what's amazing and what what separates us from the rest. But I have been really blessed and lucky to have have had the opportunity to call, you know, on the NFL side. I was able to call the Giants taking the putting the one on the on the 18 next to the Patriots, and when when Eli Manning beat them in in, in Phoenix, I was able to call Peyton Manning's and Drew Brees' first Super Bowl win, and you. You know, I, I, you name it, in the last 10, 12 years in the NFL before I came to Cleveland, I was lucky to be there. I have done some UFC championship fights, and my World Series, you would love this one. And I know you, are, you, you guys are history buff, you know. Wally Pip, they always say, don't be Wally Pip, which is the guy who came into Yankee Stadium yep. back in the day and yep. said he wasn't feeling well. So they said, okay, look, Eric, you play first, and then you know the story. You know the, the end of the end of the story. I was the sports director at Univision Radio, and my station in Chicago was calling was had the rights for the local rights for the White Sox when they were in the in the World Series against the Astros in 2005. So I went with clients to show them around, you know, and, and thank them for the business and everything. And the, they announced the the commentator, the analyst, didn't show up to the first game of the World Series. Can you believe that? And the guy mm-hmm. who was doing the play-by-play said to me, hey, do you want to sit down and, and do the game with me? You know, I'll do, I'll do the first three, you do the middle three. I'm like, okay, fine. So that there is my World Series experience. <laughs> Unfortunately, it lasted four games because <laughs> the, the White Sox <laughs> swept the
2: Astros. But that was it. <laughs> hey, Rafa, one of the things I want to talk about, you know, the, the first time we met, you talked about the World Cup. What's it like, you know, the greatest sport, most most viewed sport in the world is the World Cup. Talk a little bit about those experiences.
1: You know, those are very different to me because growing up in El Salvador, you know, that that's what we wait for every four years. know, I know the Olympics are big, and I know every year you have the NBA and Major League Baseball. But every four years you, you become, and especially in my country where we've been to two World Cups only, you become either Brazilian or Argentinian or Italian. Yeah. Whoever is playing in the team you like, that that that's who you root for. But so I I have had the luck to cover uh, six six World Cups. I never called a World Cup game. I have the luxury to do the fan experience. I don't know. They I guess oh. they, they thought that was more apt to to be hanging around with the fans. So the last one I covered was in Brazil when I got mm-hmm. I got to spend more than a few days in, in, in Rio de Janeiro and enjoying Copacabana and, and spending it basically every day at the Fan Fest and, and 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 doing the game. But it is the most amazing display of fan behavior that you'll see when it comes to a <laughs> soccer game. I know here in, in Northeast Ohio I have come to learn how much and how loyal – our fans are to the Browns, to the Cavs, and every team locally. But when it comes to national teams, you know, that is one thing that you don't really get to experience in the, in, here in the U.S. because the United States won, for example, the, the baseball World Cup, right, whatever it's called now. I forget what they, I forget what they call it. But they, they won that, and the players came back, went back to the cities and everything. Puerto Rico came in second, and they had a parade. I mean, that, that, that's how I'm, that's that's how incredible it is, you know. Outside the patri- the patriotic side of representing your country and, and and the colors and everything, you're here. You hear people saying, "Okay, I'll play the Olympics," or no, I, I, I'm not able to. In 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 other countries, they kill to be able to represent and put on the the, the national team uniform. So when it comes to the World Cup, it is event. I, I know the Super Bowl is watched by most people and the Olympics and all that, but when it comes to the World Cup, it, it is the event that I, I wish everybody
0: got to experience. Well, it's unbelievable. All right, we're going to take a quick timeout. We've got more with Rafa coming up. Yes, he's the Hispanic voice of the Cavaliers, and he's going to be calling another Cleveland sport in the near future. We'll tell you about that when we come back on Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. Cavs HQ is brought to you by Sherwin Williams, the official paint and coatings partner of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And by Huntington. If you need guidance on your money right now, talk to Huntington. Welcome.
1: 29 puntos para el triple camino.
0: Yes, Rafa Hernandez Brito on those calls as we welcome you back to Cavs HQ presented by Sherwin-Williams, Tim Elkhorn, along with Jim Jones. And Rafa, you're now going to add another sport to that uh, demo reel, as we call it. You're going to be calling... Some monsters hockey. Tell our listeners about this. Next Saturday,
1: April twenty fourth, the Monsters are going to be hosting the Chicago Wolves. Imagine that! I'm going from Bulls to Wolves. We face, we face the Bulls with the cows twice in the next week as well. So, and not only are going to be doing, Tim, the, the game in Spanish for the first time for the Monsters. I don't know if I'm going to say for the first time for the AHL. I'm going to get you back. I'm going to get back on that. But the most important thing is, you know. The Cavaliers, as an organization, and obviously the Monsters being part of it, we are really focused on 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 diversity and inclusion. And it's the night to grow the game. And the, the Monsters have asked me, and I'm, I'm I'm really proud to be part of bringing the game and the action to the to the to the Hispanic community. We are a very loyal community. That wherever city has adopted us, anywhere in the U.S. or in the world. We, we we tend to to support and adopt uh, w- whatever we fight for in the city we live in. So yeah, I'm I'm thrilled. I'm, I don't know how responsible are gonna be. I hope the players don't charge me for the passport. <laughs> they're gonna have to change because the fast pace might get me to change their names a little bit. You know, with all these all these <laughs> European names that they, that I'm gonna have to experience in, on Saturday.
2: Rafa, let's talk a little bit about about growing up in San Salvador. You used to tell me some great stories about growing up tell us a couple of stories about growing up in san salvador give our fans just a more rounded view of what kind of person you are and uh, your environment
1: you know i i was lucky that i have parents that were well i don't know how lucky i was that they were very strict but at the end of the day once you grow up and you realize what i I realized what i come and what i got into is all about the effort that my parents put for us to make sure that we got an education. We, I'm basically the first generation. Forget about finishing college. I'm the first generation in my family to go to high school, finish high school, and we we, we we've been lucky enough that my father was bright enough to to realize that we we want we needed to do better than him. And a lot of it he he blamed on not blame, but he placed on the fact that his parents weren't too concerned about where where his education level was. So. He, he made sure that we, we went to school and that we, we were good students. I gave him a little harder time than the rest of my brothers and sisters. But, <laughs> you know, we, we were able to have my parents, because of the war, back home, you know, the last eight years that I was back home, for those people that have been feeling bad about the stay-at-home laws here the last year, I lived in martial law for the last six years that I was in El Salvador during the, during wow. the, during the war. And my parents were so strict that we went to school. And my dad would lock the door when we came home and we didn't get out of the house until it was the next day to go back to school. So when I moved to New York, it was kind of like me being set free (laughs) after after basically really just missing missing my childhood because of the civil war that, thank God, is over over there. But, you know, education was such a big thing for my parents and the sacrifice they made to send us here. Because of most of the problems, you know, when you you usually have a a civil war, most of the problems start at the university level, you know, the revolution and and the young guys trying to get involved in it. So my father was, you guys are not taking part of any of this. So when my oldest brother graduated in 1980 from high school, he came to New York by himself, and he's the one really that led the way for all of us, my oldest brother, Carlos, because he's the one that actually had, when I came, I'm the youngest one of four, when I came, my brothers already knew what schools I should go to, you know what, what, what language what, what language classes I could take and everything. So I had it a little easy, a lot easier than my brothers and my sister did. but you know I, everything had to do Tim Jim and I. We, we have talked about a lot on the road about how you know the, the emphasis my parents place on not only education, but the emphasis on they play they they put on us on just making sure that we work hard every day at whatever we did i started even though i graduated as an engineer my first job was to to sell beer, and part of the job was to clean the shelf at the supermarket where my beer went. So I gotta with tell an engineering
2: you, degree? yeah, mechanical
1: <laughs> engineering with a machine design specialization in machine design. But that's for another story. We don't have enough time to tell you the story how I ended up in sales, selling beer. But I made sure that when I had to, you know, like during Passover, the supermarkets do what they call a reset. So every beer aisle gets changed into kosher food aisles. So you have to come in and clean the shelf. Um, so they can put the, the kosher food on the aisles in New York. I, I'm telling you, and this is something that I, my parents instilled in me. My my shelf was the cleanest and the shiniest shelf there was in that aisle, and and that's what that's what we were told since we were little. You know, no matter what we did, we had to be really good at it and, and, and do it with pride. And and thank God, you know, again, it was hard when we were growing up, but now that we're adults, we we really appreciate that effort.
0: Rafa, how many Hispanic? voices are in the nba right now how many franchises have an hispanic broadcast
1: well that that do full-time team it's only the three teams in texas and they all travel and ourselves but obviously nobody's traveling right now The, the the lakers and the clippers have but they don't travel and some other teams, like the Jazz, have some games in Spanish, maybe the home games, but not the away games. And I know there were some other teams, like Minnesota, and Milwaukee, had, but not full-time. And that's one of the wonderful things about the Cavaliers as well, that they jumped on board seven years ago when, when they saw the, 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 the way the game had been getting so global now. And we, I'm not just broadcasting – to fans in in Cleveland or even in Ohio or even the United States you know we have fans from all over the world that listen to the League Pass and listen to my broadcast and and so it's, it's five teams now because Orlando got rid of everything that had to do with radio right. English and Spanish and and so now it's only five teams that we do plus the Miami Miami is the one and Jose Pañera he's the, he's one you know he's one of the seven original Team members of the of the Miami Heat, so he's the one that he's been there the longest. He's the godfather of uh, oh, <laughs> of uh. panis radio in the in the NBA. So it's just five that we do full time.
0: And real quick, not only are the Cavs promoting. Hispanic community and fostering that relationship on the radio. Uh, There's going to be a special night at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse on May 4th. Talk about that.
1: May 4th, Noche Latina, which is something, you know, the NBA celebrates a month, which is Noches NBA. But since I got here, the Cavs decided to do a night dedicated just for a a Hispanic community. So this year, we're hosting some leaders of the community, people that are trying to help our youngsters come up. And uh, in my case, you know, helping them and making sure that we, we, we instill in them the, the need for an education and then a need for hard work and effort. So May 4th, we're going to be celebrating Noche Latina. We didn't want to do it May 5th because, you know, it, it was too, it's too much of an American holiday. <laughs> Cinco de Mayo. But we, so we did it on Cuatro de Mayo. But please, everybody should come in and join. We're going to have a Latin flavor. Even Big Daddy is going to have Spanish music for you guys on the broadcast.
0: Wow. That's pretty cool. Now, Big Daddy, you're going to challenge him, but (laughs) I'm sure he'll come through in a big, big way. Rafa, this has been a real treat, man. Again, looking forward to you calling uh, Monsters Hockey. That's pretty cool. And, of course, uh, all of your work, as we said, your resume is very, very full. And uh, you want to give a quick plug as to where folks can find the Hispanic broadcast of the Cavaliers? Power 89. one, the voice of the
1: community and the voice of the Cavaliers and the monsters in Espanol. Our friend Mark Baller, you know him very well. He's been really influential in, in making sure that that w- he helped us reach out to our community. So thank you to Mark and thank you to everybody that listens. And, and tune in, you know, uh, Saturday against the Chicago Wolves on 89. one.
0: There we go. Thank you, Rafa. Thank, Thank you. you. All right, man, it was good stuff. Rafa Hernandez Brito, the Hispanic voice of the Cavaliers, and you're going to hear him doing some Monsters hockey as well. That was fun. All right, stay with us. More to come on Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin Williams on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network.
1: Oh, Deli! Hasta la vista, baby!
0: Westfield is shining a spotlight on small businesses, and you could be one of them. Nominate your favorite small business serving the food industry in Northeast Ohio. Each month, Westfield and the Cavs will feature a new small business spotlight winner. Nominate your favorite business today at Cavs.com slash Westfield. We'll be back with the second half of Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams, after this on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. in between the circles. Gave it off to Garland. Garland, down low to Allen. Whoops. Right side to Nance. Back out front to Wade. to of Left side, Garland. Wide open. Three. Good. You see that ball movement? It all started with Garland. Garland out front to Nance. Right back to DG. In the corner to Prince. Three. Good. Good job by Garland again. Sexton still on the dribble. Gave it off to Garland. Fakes a three. Comes into the lane. Floats. Scores. There is Garland. A big bucket from DG. And we welcome you back. It's Caps HQ presented by Sherwin Williams on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. Tim Elcorn, along with Jim Jones, Marty Allen. He's enjoying that Stevie Wonder little <laughs> musical <laughs> twist there along with Kurt McLaughlin and Leo Simone on the other side of the window. Boy, Jim, you, you hear that montage that Kurt and Marty put together so beautifully as far as the highlights are concerned. And. What you're hearing is beautiful ball movement. I was having a hard time keeping up, but that's a good thing when that ball is whipping around because usually that'll get you a great look at the basket.
2: Yes, it will, Tim, because that is a fundamental of our game because you're playing in a confined area in a half-court situation and it's populated with 10 other people plus three referees. There's not a lot of space to just uh, pass the ball without movement, and you have to have movement. The unique thing about it, and we've been concerned about it all season, and a lot of reporters have talked about it, is the Cavs' inability to shoot three-pointers, let alone make three-pointers consistently. But since the ball's been in young Garland's hands, and they're playing Sexton as the off-guard, what's happened is his ability to create and manufacture looks for his teammates has been on par with anybody in our league. You know, when you look at young players, you want to make sure that their assets translate to wins. And in time, what this young guy can do to create off the dribble is a beautiful thing to watch.
0: Jim, they often talk about year one to year two. You just see a huge growth, uh, a maturation with a young player. Boy, we've really seen it with Darius Garland uh, compared to last year to this year. What do you think has been the key to that improvement for DG this year?
2: Well, I think it's a lot of things. I think it's the the ability to observe what needs to be done. I think it's the experiences that he had last year, some of them not too shiny and then also his imagination to understand what he can do and how he can be effective for the cavaliers and what's happened Tim, is that the coaches trust him his teammates trust him and that's a lift for a young player you got to remember last year he was only 19 years old coming off an injury had only played a couple of games in his in his last year in college so everything was being jammed at him all at once but he went home he worked out his shot his ball handling But more importantly, he got stronger. And when he came into training camp, everybody was raving about the pickup games where he was the most dominant player. And now I see why. Darius Garland can be one of the top five guards in our league. There's no question about it. Because what his skill set and he, well, he's he's a combination guard. He can catch and shoot like a shooter. But he can also take you off the dribble and create his own offense. The third thing he can do, he can make players better because he can dribble, penetrate, and create offense for his teammates.
0: And Jimmy's a 40% three-ball shooter. He leads the Cavs in three balls this year. So, Mm -hmm. as you said, uh, he has the ability to score the basketball as well. He's a real dual threat. Yes, he is. I like to draw upon your experiences as a player because – of all of us involved with Cavs HQ, you're the only one that has actually been out on that NBA hardwood and played the game. And, boy, looking back, we talk about a, a comfort level, year two to year one. Jim, what was that like for you? Do you remember being kind of apprehensive in that first year to being much more comfortable
2: in the second year? I wasn't apprehensive, but I was a failure. <laughs> <laughs> I, I played for the New York Nets Me and a guy who played hockey named Billy Harris played for the Islanders. We were called the million-dollar babies on the cover of the New York Times and everything. He flopped and I flopped. Uh, Expectations were high, especially when they're paying you a million-dollar contract, so they expect you to play like a million-dollar player. I didn't have any idea what I was supposed to do, how to do. All I knew, my only reference was high school basketball and playing at Marquette, which we all know today is nothing like playing in the pros and having to deal with jealous teammates, uh, the, the level of physicality and high expectations, not only by the media, but by the fans and the coaches. So I was a disaster. There's two things that saved me. The first thing that saved me was Lou Karnaseka, who took a few years away from St. John's and coached the team just so he could have a big payday, something that he never received. So he came and coaches, and I remember him sitting me down, all kind of expletives, and then he said, "Listen, they want you to get better, but I told them leave you alone. You'll get better, but it takes time. Just make sure that every year that you add something to your game. The second thing is that we, I had a great veteran, name was Tom Washington, played in the old uh, industrial leagues out of Philly." And I remember he told me one time, he said, watch the game. Learn to play off the bench because that's where you're going to get your biggest growth. Plus, we practiced every day. So I was going against these guys, picking fights, fighting uh, before the game, during the uh, during the scrimmages and after in the locker room, uh, trying to beat up the older players who were bigger than me. But I wanted to let them know I wasn't afraid of anybody. And the word got around. By the end of the season... Our son was Billy Pulse. Yes. When we were going to San Antonio. And I thought I was better than Billy. And To this day, I know I'm not. I wasn't better than Billy, but I thought I was at the time. And I remember Pulse used to put his arm around me, take me across the street to his father's bar, and we would sit there and get drunk. And then he'd tell me, take your time, you'll get better. I mean, that kind of veteran closeness and experience is what we have in Cleveland with Delaware Dover, Kevin Love and Prince. It's invaluable to have that mixture with your young players because it accelerates the growth and I can see the growth in our young players. Boy, your
0: time with the Nets must have been the genesis of the nickname crusher between what you were doing <laughs> what you were doing to other players and what you were doing at the bar. You were just crushing everything.
2: <laughs> I was crushing them. I was crushing them. You know that Tim, I don't know what they call it. You know where they give you raw hamburger meat? At the bar, you drink a beer or something, and then they then they then they give you a piece of raw hamburger meat. You slam it, something like that, and you eat the raw hamburger. I don't know, might have been a German thing, but but I, I'm telling you, I had all of the bar habits. But the main thing is that I had a chance to observe and experience uh, the the pro life, and then it was up to me to decide what kind of pro that I wanted to be. And with the influence of those that had been down the road, I was going. It was invaluable to me. I had to get better.
0: Boy, that's that's really good storytelling right there. All right, let's take a quick time out. When we come back, we'll call the next segment Potpourri. We've got a little bit of everything to cover with uh, Jim Jones here on Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin Williams. We'll come right back after this on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. Yes,
2: Jackie, hit
0: that ball. Oh, that's great stuff. Of course, Major League Baseball honored Jackie Robinson as every player throughout the league wore number 42. It's the only time during a season that any Major League Baseball player wears 42 because the number has been retired by Major League Baseball. So every organization... Uh, has number 42 retired, except on Jackie Robinson Day when every player wears that historical number. And Jim, uh, Jackie Robinson, while he played the game of baseball, was really just a phenomenal athlete. Everybody knew about Jackie as far as his exploits, no matter what he did. But, boy, it was off the field uh, that he really made his mark because of the incredible... Uh, step that he took to break the color barrier in Major League Baseball. Uh, as an African American, Jim, uh, just talk about Jackie Robinson and and what he means uh, not only to you but uh, to the culture and to uh, American African American history.
2: Yeah, you know what I tell people uh, that uh, my first idol was Bill Russell, but my parents always talked about two people. Uh, they talked about uh, Joe Lewis and they talked about Jackie Robinson and that's the, he gave them hope. He gave them hope. I used to have a, a, a sports talk uh, show on sports channel called sports talk. We went to New York at the, I think it was the Astor hotel and Bill Cosby was there. Uh, Bill Russell and a lot of other people were there. Ossie Davis and his wife and, uh, Bill Checketts, who ran Madison Square Garden at the time. It was a who's who. And uh, we produced it. We built a tape. We we wanted to do something on Jackie Robinson. And I had a chance to go through his history before we set up production. And I was amazed at what he went through. It wasn't just black cats. It was coming home and across in front of your yard. It was uh, other teammates that uh, just couldn't compromise or tolerate Jackie being their teammate. It was guys coming back to first base when he started at first base in 1947, trying to spike him. Uh, But he overcame all of that. And Branch Rickey said he knew it, it would take a certain kind of person in order to get through this. And Jackie was that person. He's the closest thing that I've seen to a sports angel for all the grief that he took because he was committed to being the first
0: you know, you mentioned Branch Rickey, and of course, uh, Branch Rickey, the the Dodgers executive that signed yes. Jackie Robinson. And it was Branch Rickey when Jackie said to him, do you want me not to fight back? And he said, no, I want you to have the courage to not fight back. Because if you do that, uh, it's just going to open up this unbelievable can of worms. Think about the courage and the bravery uh, yes, of Jackie Robinson
2: to withstand everything that was hurled his way. That's right. You're all over it, Tim. And uh, he carried that banner all of his life. Uh, he was a businessman. He did commercials before O.J. <laughs> you, know, you know, a lot of us who, who grew up, you know, a lot of kids have never heard of Jackie Robinson. A lot of kids hadn't heard of Joe Lewis. And it's a shame because all of the there's a there's a what we call an influential relationship between what happened in the past and what's happening now and why we're where we're at. There wouldn't be any LeBron Jameses. There wouldn't be any Bill Russells if this man hadn't had the courage to stand up. And a lot of this started with Jackie Robinson. A lot of the adulation that athletes are getting today started with Jesse Owens in the Olympics with Hitler sitting up in the stands. People don't understand that that's how we got to where we are today. You know, And it always seems like sports has been the prime mover for any type of racial movement. Uh, in this country, you know, because of the visibility and, of course, what the kids call now the platform. Absolutely. And, of course, Cleveland played a major
0: role in this movement. Of course, Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier as far as Major League Baseball was concerned. But uh, the first black player in the American League right here in Cleveland with the Indians was Larry Doby. And uh, his name belongs right up there with Jackie Robinson as Larry Doby followed Jackie Robinson to the major leagues just a couple of weeks after Jackie made his debut. In fact, tribe manager Tito Francona talked about this the other day during his uh, pregame press conference about the fact that Larry Doby certainly deserves recognition. I do think it's an honor to wear this, this hat today with the 42 on it. also think today's a day to, to think about Larry Doby I mean he came a couple months after Jackie and I'm sure that they weren't having parades for him. And I get you know and the other thing is I understand they use the word celebrate. I just think it's we need to remember that it's a shame that we have to celebrate trying to treat people the same. That to me is we should never have we we shouldn't have we shouldn't be there. And unfortunately, we still seem like we have a ways to go. Boy, Indians manager Terry Francona talking about uh, Larry Doby and the impact that he made right here in Cleveland. But, Jim, uh, boy, some real extraordinary comments there at the end that while Jackie yes. Robinson and Larry Doby came to the major leagues a, a long time ago, there is still so much work to be done.
2: Yes, and it, it is because we're talking about a, a 400-year-old system in this country. Where only a few Americans have been able to participate in to, to the fullest, and times are changing. Tim, you know, with the advent of social media and the ability to reach and touch more people, the ability to real, you know, to, to uh, you know to gather. It's sad that the only visible thing that seems to to really start change as a foundation has been protests, and protests are still necessary. But for what it is. It's not necessarily even changing the minds of people as much as making people aware that a certain segment of this country is not being treated fairly based upon what the Constitution has told us, fair and equal. That has not happened in this country for the majority of Americans. And, uh, and, and, and so we all fight for it because it's, it affects all of us. It, it affects you. It affects your grandkids. It affects their kids. And it's not from a positive perspective you know so so this is something that will change sometimes you think you take two steps forward or one step back but that is the nature of change some people call it chaos some people call it unjustified actions but this is the nature of being a human being things do change and in time things do change for the better because in nature nature's always trying to find a balance and we're part of nature that's why there's storms and that's why there's floods and all of these things happen because nature's trying to find a balance, and that's what this world is trying to find out. It's trying to find a balance where we all can be treated fairly. Boy, very well said, my
0: friend. Well, we got about a minute, minute and a half left. Uh, I know you want to send out a birthday greeting to yes. your former teammate, uh,
2: Cap, as they call him, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah, it's uh, his birthday today, and, uh, and uh, we've had birthday parties. When I was with the Lakers, uh, we had a birthday party for Cap, And we call him Cap. Magic gave him that name, Cap. And uh, uh, Norm Nixon gave uh, Magic the name Young Buck. And uh, Norm Nixon gave me the name Crusher because I had to play the physical role for us because of Kareem Finesse style. You know, he was getting beat up ridiculously, so I had to play that role. So they called me the Crusher. But Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, arguably the greatest player to have ever played basketball And next to Ali, maybe one of the greatest athletes of all time. And uh, I really appreciate him. Another activist, another activist, a very high intellectual activist who's written over 15 books. And uh, happy birthday, Kat. Absolutely.
0: All right, Jim. Wow, that was a great segment. A lot of good things to talk about there. So. We'll take our final timeout. When we come back, we'll put the finishing touches on this week's edition of Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams, and we're bringing it to you along the First Energy Cavaliers radio network. Garland, run right of the lane, shoves it underneath the Nance, bounce to Allen, pow, with the right hand. Back to Jetty, fakes the pass, now gave it to Hardenstein, and another dunk for the big fella. Mark bounce back to Grant Williams, drives, shot, blocked by Allen. Jared got up and swatted it away. Delli heads to the forecourt, ahead to Hardenstein, drive, scooped and scored. Garland, top of the circle, lobbed to Allen, pow. Garland with a throw to the throw, and he crushed it. Tim, they're getting
2: two of those a game.
0: And we welcome you back. Cavs HQ presented by Sherwin-Williams. Boy, that big fella tandem in the middle for the Cavaliers, Jared Allen and newly acquired Isaiah Hartenstein. They are indeed... Providing some highlights. Good to hear that stuff. All right. Well, this is going to put a cap on this week's edition of Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. Huge thank you goes out to Rafa Hernandez-Brito. Boy, that was a fun conversation with the Hispanic voice of the Cavaliers earlier in the show. And, again, he's going to be doing some uh, Hispanic Monsters Hockey coming up. So a lot of fun for Rafa with that. We enjoyed that conversation. Of course, thanks to Marty Allen, Kurt McLaughlin, Leo Simone on the other side of the window, Jim Jones, always a lot of fun. Biggest thanks goes to you, the listeners. Now don't forget, a busy week coming up for Cavaliers Basketball. Monday night, the Cavs will be in Detroit to take on the Pistons. They come back home on Wednesday. Chicago will be at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse to take on the Cavs. And then on Friday night, The Cavs go back to Charlotte. They were just there this past week. They'll be in Charlotte again on Friday night. So a busy week ahead. Look forward to bringing you those games. And until we talk again on Monday night when the Cavaliers take on the Detroit Pistons, this is Tim Korn saying once again, thank you very much for listening. And so long, everybody. Cavs HQ was brought to you by Sherwin-Williams the official paint and coatings partner of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And by Huntington, if you need guidance on your money right now, talk to Huntington. Welcome.